Hi there, it's Casey here, founder of Worthy and Well, host of the Purpose Map podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Today, I have a special guest, Sarah Jane O'Hare, who is an incredible human here to help us with our anger, help us to hone, to recognize, to channel anger in ways that are productive. Sarah is someone who worked in the expressive therapies for many years, and then in her mid-20s started to add in and explore other modalities of healing, like shadow work, somatic experiencing, attachment theory, and fell in love with anger work, realizing that finding these healthy ways to understand and express anger supported her in healing chronic illness, in standing up for herself, in reclaiming a sense of power and self-worth. And she does a brilliant job of sharing more about the importance of anger as an emotion and how we can work with it in a positive rather than destructive way. I love this conversation with Sarah Jane, and I felt like it was illuminating and validating and helped me to feel inspired to really see the positive benefits of anger as an emotion. Sarah Jane is also an incredible speaker and poet. She recently wrote a poetry book called A Witch Without Honey, which I highly recommend. And there's a whole chapter or space within that poetry book that's all about anger. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Sarah Jane and invite you into our conversation. So Sarah Jane, I recently had a client, actually multiple clients, all in the same small period of time, talk about how they have no idea how to express anger in a healthy way. And it was almost like in this short period of time, women in particular were feeling pissed and didn't mm. even recognize it originally as anger. And it almost like created what I witnessed across the board was a like mm, discomfort, a real discomfort around like, what do I do with this energy or this experience or this emotion that I don't feel like I've ever felt before? Mm, yes. And I'm so curious if in your work and your life, you've witnessed that same theme where like women are kind of like, what is this energy? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah what do you make this of is, that I mean that is essentially why I'm here <laughs> and why I'm doing and showing up in this space um, around anger so you touched on a couple of different things there like quite quite a few layers there's the experience of anger and not being able to recognize that confusing it with something else first there is also this piece around what do i what do i do with this energizing experience this kind of connection to what is essentially life force energy it is energizing what do i then do with that and how do i channel it in a in a healthy and productive way yeah, you're right. There really were three parts to that whole yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. experience that I shared. 
Um, and maybe that's a perfect place to start is with the first element of that, like the recognition of anger. I know for myself that tears have always been a part of my process. Like I've always been a crier. Yeah. And I think I, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I learned to almost like quickly move what I would now understand to be the energy of like anger into tears or sadness. Like it, it's like there's a, a bunch of emotions that are all connected. And for me, I feel like sadness was a mask for anger mm -hmm. or connected to anger. So help me make sense of that. And also I'd be curious to hear what, you know, what you notice about just that first part of recognizing anger for what it is. Like, how do people do that? Sure. I think a good place to start is to, let's just think about anger as, as an emotion on its own. So we have seven core emotions and anger is one of them, right? And I think where we get confused a lot of the time is we often hear anger labeled as a secondary emotion. And I don't think that's helpful. Although even I would say, yeah, sometimes it can come afterwards or it can be a cover up for something else. But the reason I don't think that's helpful is because no emotion exists in isolation. So just as you're describing your emotional experience, you're not just going to feel sad. You're probably going to feel sad and confused and a little bit angry and something else. So I want to pay dividends to that, right? No emotions exist in isolation. We're always going to feel several different emotions at once. And this is where language becomes quite limiting and where embodiment becomes very powerful. Mm -hmm. So setting that as, as a foundation, we have our core emotions. Core emotions meaning we're born with them, right? You look at the limbic system in our brain and they're all there for a reason, right? And usually it's related to our nervous system, to staying alive, the fight or flight or everything else. The important thing about your core emotions is they all serve a very, very important purpose. And we literally need them. Not only do we need them, we don't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. So if you try to fight with your core emotions, you're not really going to get too far. So mm. core emotions. Can you please share what they are? the seven yes. core emotions. So we have got joy, fear, disgust, anger, excitement, sexual excitement, and sadness. Sexual excitement separate from regular excitement? Oh, yeah. This might be a tiny bit of a detour, but one I would love to take before we come back to anger specifically. But can you share a little more about that? Yeah, sure. So if you think about our core emotions, like the reason we have them is to survive in the world and evolve as a species. And so the purpose of excitement is to pull you in the direction that tells you, yes, this is good for you. We want this. This is energizing. This is going to help you evolve for some reason. Not quite the same as sexual excitement, <laughs> which is still very exciting. <laughs> so <laughs> sexual excitement is going to pull you towards a partner or a sexual 
or creative or passionate experience that is going to, like I said, help you evolve, help you grow, help increase your experience of joy and pleasure and everything else in the world. The whole purpose of our emotions are to pull you towards things that are good and away from things that are bad, essentially. Mm. So, right. Um, yeah, your sexual I, excitement, you should listen to her. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, my friends. Yeah, it was just interesting how it's like now that you've shared what you shared about the the purpose of them, it's like, oh, of course, that's a core emotion, sexual excitement. Um, even my own like surprise probably speaks to the conditioning around limiting that part of ourselves as women in particular, but it's like that drive toward procreation. Of course, that's a primal, you're born exactly. with it, core emotion. So and the other us, thing, go ahead. The other thing about it is um, we experience emotions in our body, as you know. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the experience of excitement, where do you feel it? Mm. Like it's just I, excitement. I feel it higher in my body, like it bubbles up through my chest and opens me up and almost like I lean forward, like I'm moving towards yeah. something. It feels like a, maybe an all-round expansion, but I would feel it move up through my heart and into my chest. Whereas yeah. I feel sexual excitement in a different part of my body, lower down for sure. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> And that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So that that's the difference between excitement and sexual excitement. You will experience them differently because they have their unique purpose. Mm. So anger, where Mm -hmm. do you experience anger in your body? Really great question. I think anger, when we experience it in our body, it tells us a lot about our current relationship with anger. And where I experience it may not necessarily be the same as where you will or somebody else will. And I can say over the arc of my journey, I have experienced it differently as I've learned to unshame my experience of anger and reintegrate it into my emotional system. So way back a few years ago, when I was very, very, very disconnected from my anger, I would experience it as overwhelmingly hot Mm. like I became a human torch but because I felt so much shame around anger and I didn't know how to regulate it process it or even just sit with the discomfort of it I would go from feeling overwhelmingly hot and fiery and sort of unstable to freeze Mm-hmm. And that to me would look like fatigue, flat, full body experience here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sweaty, uh, and it's kind of like two sides of the coin. And right. I also, I don't think I'm unique in this experience from from many people I've worked with. They've had the similar experience where because we're so alienated to anger, it can feel so overwhelming cue another part of us to come come in um if you're familiar with ifs a firefighter uh we can explain later but cue and cue a new response in your body okay here's all this anger it's frightening we don't know what to do with it let's do something else let's shut down mm-hmm. let's 
generate fatigue. Um, and for me, that was a full body experience. Whereas, and we can fill in the blanks in between afterwards, but when we think about, when I think about anger now and how I experience it, it's very rewarding, right? It's, it's in alignment in my body, in my solar plexus with this sense of, I am strong, I am important, I matter, and I'm going to do something, right? Mm. I'm going to take action in some sh way, shape, or form that is, that is going to create a positive change in my life and is loving for, for me and my relationships in, in my life. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I, I couldn't help but connect what you were saying about originally being like really hot and then shutting down or feeling flat or, or getting cold physically, like on an embodiment level. I couldn't help but connect that to uh, the language of being outside of your window of tolerance or window of resilience. Like mm -hmm. anger is a, an emotion. It sounds like from a nervous system perspective, would kick you into fight flight and mm -hmm. then and then that freeze or shutdown state after sort of skipping your window of tolerance altogether and you know i could see how that's a really depleting journey and especially when that anger is connected to being in relationship with others if you're skipping your safe and social state missing the opportunity to be like engaged in a conscious way with others through the experience of anger. Um, I can just see how that can be the destructive part of anger, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could say, is that the destructive part of anger or is that our destructive patterns that we've created around anger? That sounds much more accurate. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas I'm thinking of an example just yesterday when you started to say that anger is important and mm -hmm. guides you to positive action. I'm thinking about an experience I had yesterday where I've been navigating, like I shared earlier before we hit record, over the last month since being back from Costa Rica, some sort of low depressive hmm, a, a different type of pain in my inner experience mm -hmm. and, you know, lifting out of it and then dropping back into it, but definitely navigating these sensations in my body. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yesterday I woke up feeling that and also really like contemplating what is true here. You know, mm -hmm. I've had this experience before. What is this actually about? And I got in conversation with a friend who is lovely and super supportive. And I was just sharing about these kind of like ups and downs that I've been experiencing that just feel a bit off. And they shared something with me that was about like, well, it makes, they validated my experience. It makes perfect sense you're feeling that considering all these different things that have been happening in kind of an intense way in my life. Mm -hmm. And that was nice to feel validated. And then they shared something about like, can you be in equanimity with it? Can you just like feel and not judge that, that pain or those depressive sensations, et cetera. And that's like, sounds like sound wisdom, 
But what happened in me is a part of me was like, fuck no, basically. (laughs) What I said to this friend was, fuck no. I know how to be equanimous. I have studied and practice and teach embodiment. I feel my feelings. Mm -hmm. I'm not judging myself for these depressive sensations, but this part of me stood up and was like, fuck no. Being depressed is not your true nature. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to be in the parking lot of my gym Mm -hmm. uh, having this conversation. And what happened in my body was this, like, it wasn't a fuck no fight flight freeze. It was Mm. a fuck no, I'm worthy of more. Mm. And I went into the gym and took my shoes off, had my bare feet, and there was like a solidness to it. It wasn't like an unleashing of anger. It was like a centered, grounded, I'm going to lift some heavy weights and I'm going to put on these boxing gloves and I'm going to use them. But what I'm actually doing is taking a stance for the part of me that said, fuck, no, I deserve more. This is not okay to just say yes to these depressive feelings and let them. It was a point where it's like, you know, yeah, this is a normal part of the human experience. But also for me, these downloads started to come in my workout. It was like, nope. Lightworkers are not here to be sad and depressed and depleted and not have the energy and support when we're literally doing so much to create consciousness in the world and unity and like solve this separation, polarization, division problem. Like I am showing up for that and I am no longer okay with feeling the way that I've been feeling, which is like a muted version of myself. And literally everything changed. My my energy coming out of that experience and coming out of the gym was like, nope, I'm a fight for my joy. And I'm going to stand for embodying the euphoria that I think is meant for us. The expansion that I believe is our true nature. I'm not going to settle for these like low depressive muted experiences. And it like literally opened me up, opened me back up to my power. And I took some action in terms of getting what I need to feel pleasure and to feel my life force again and to feel my power. And this friend of mine, beautiful friend, when this happened and I took a stance for myself, they totally changed their perspective and were like, you go, Mm. go get it, Casey. You are right. This is your truth. (laughs) Get it. it. (laughs) But it was like an embodied, a full body in my window of tolerance experience that has carried that this was just yesterday, but it carried into the steps that I took for the rest of the day. And this morning when I woke up, I leapt out of bed and was excited to have a shower and could not wait to get to my work, aka talking to you. And so talk to me about that. Like that feels that was such a powerful personal experience that I'm connecting to what you shared here around like positive use of that energy. Yes, and it is still alive. It is still in your system. You can see it while <laughs> yeah. you're here. You're springy, you're bouncy. That is so beautiful. And you've basically, so timely, divine timing, this only happened yesterday. You've essentially just described what is that 
sense of a re-empowerment. So when you reintegrate anger, it you say, hey, anger, sorry I've left you out of the party for the past six years. Come on back in. You're invited, right? Here's the playlist. <laughs> you re-invited <laughs> anger back into your system through all the work that you've done that in your experience yesterday, there was space for that energy to come through and essentially re-empower your system. And this is something I talk about in relation to our other emotions, where it's this piece of anger that is fiercely compassionate, right? Mm. Not just compassionate, fiercely compassionate, right? So if you think about empathy, being able to relate to others and sit with them in the mud, in the dark tunnel. The difference with empathy and compassion is compassion also comes with a desire for change, right? Mm. So a compassionate voice, an understanding voice, but also a, a desire for positive change, a desire to help get you out of the tunnel, mm. you know, get you out of the mud. But anger brings about a sense of fierce compassion, which is that part of you that sees all the other parts and sees the patterns and the ebb and flow of the low depressive mood and says, no, fuck this. Yeah. Like just hell to the no. The fierce compassion is we deserve more than this. We're getting out of this boat, right? We're actually going to do something to re-empower our system and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be hot and sweaty and then it's going to feel good. And intuitively, your body knows that that is what's right, right? And how you described it is how it's experienced, how it's intended to be experienced in our body, which is an upward surge of energy. Anger is energizing. You feel it is. It is like life force energy. It's connected. And you think about it in your body, you get broader, your shoulders, mm -hmm. your chest, you become proud. Why? Because anger is there to protect. That's its purpose. It's protecting you, your experience, your joy, your pleasure, your everything else. So naturally you get proud. And it's no wonder, I'm guessing maybe you hit a personal best, like you're going to have more strength. It gives you courage. It gives you energy. And that's sexy. That's hot right? Mm -hmm. You can do your hot girl workout, right? And then you can feel extra good, extra empowered. That is anger in its place, right? Wow. And I, I think this is where we get confused and especially as women, because so much of the work with anger is around unlearning what we've learned, mm -hmm. right? As a society, we completely conflate anger with rage and wrath. And they're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And if if you were to break that down, like uh, anger in my work has got different pillars. There's like empowerment, integrity, there's um, your needs, there's boundary setting. There's, there's many different things. And it's all around the sense of protection, anger, right? Integral. But then if you look at things like, rage and wrath and how society has painted it to us not just society like there's many things like media and cultural norms and yada 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 it's always been around anger is bad because anger destroys and anger breaks marriages and anger leads to violence and anger leads to all these 
that's not anger. Mm. That's rage and wrath. And the, the, the difference is rage is like anger that's been left out overnight and gone rotten. It's mm. com- compound anger built up over years. It's compressed, right? Mm-hmm. That is what leads to the, the, the buildup of repressed anger leads to that. And that's whenever we have uncontrolled outbursts or on the flip side, very self-sabotaging behavior, mm-hmm. right? That's the difference. So learning to, to unlearn your narrative and how you relate to a- anger and how you understand it is half the work. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's reintegrating it into your system. I love how you break down anger, like when you're sharing about the pillars and then also the difference between anger and rage or wrath. You just communicate in such a clear to understand way. I just want to illuminate that and shine that light back on your gift, Sarah Jane, because I've already learned so much about anger. Like, of course, I have my own embodied personal experiences and lucky for me or you know, also I've done a lot of work to be embodied. I trust that in its own right. And something that happens when language can be placed on an embodied experience, like I know that we can't put words to everything that happens in the body, but when we try, when you do specifically, it it makes it make sense in a more well-rounded way. And at least for me, when I hear you describe these different parts of anger, I feel even more empowered to use it in a positive, effective way. So I'm super grateful for that. And also when you were talking about rage and wrath, it made me curious what you think about rage rooms have you heard of these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's you know, funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've I've thought about this. <laughs> so, do you know what? Thank you, first of all. Thank you for saying that. Um, You're before I tell you my two pence on rage rooms, um, to to do your podcast and your and your listeners, um, a, a greater service. Let me explain those those pillars of anger, um. Please. So we have empowerment, which is all about inner strength, confidence and courage, and your own sense of belonging in the world. And um, newsflash with that one, we all belong in this world. And so it's remembering that. But it's, it's inherently linked to your sense of connecting to that. The second one is integrity, and that's all around your high self-worth, and that's living a values-aligned life, getting your values in alignment, right? Looking at what in your life is out of alignment with your values and taking positive action towards changing that. And it's also looking at how much you trust and believe in yourself, integrity. Then we've got boundaries. So looking at your relationships in your life. What are the boundaries that are in place there to helping um, you have healthy relationships? It's all about having self-honoring boundaries and being aware of your individual needs. Um, Then we have protection. So this is very much connected to our fight response. And that's 
it's not only just being connected to it, it, it's having it there for you. We have it for a reason. We have to have it and we need to have access to it. And if you have completely repressed or cut away your anger, you've cut away one of your survival mechanisms. And that means you only have another one or two left. So that's why people tend to immediately go into a freeze response or something else. Um, when you think about protection as it relates to anger, we're also looking at the difference between power and force, right? Empowerment, having a sense of power, not force. Force mm. is that like rage, that wrath, that forcing. Um, and then it's your sense of inner safety. And then the last two are pleasure and drive. So pleasure as it relates to anger, um, that expressive and embodied experience where you feel safe to receive and you have open communication around pleasure and it makes total sense because if the energy of anger says I matter and my needs are important then by virtue of that fact you're also going to have my pleasure matters and my sexual needs are important and then drive so drive is just all around that strong drive and determination to achieve your goals have your sense of purpose and all the rest of it and that's exactly what you were talking about yesterday, which was your drive, your drive that was then carried out into your workout. So breaking that down for a deeper kind of explanation or exploration, should I say, of anger, let's look at the idea of like rage rooms. So what's the purpose of a rage room? What do you think it is? I think the purpose of it is for the unbridled part of that energy to have a place to go. Maybe when someone hasn't yet learned how to work with anger in a way that supports them in, you know, you just shared those pillars in taking positive action in alignment with one or all of those pillars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I were to say to you, Casey, after this podcast, do you want to go to this rage room with me? How do you feel? Uh, excited, actually. I think it would be fun. I think it would be fun. <laughs> yeah. And I also feel that like maybe three days ago, I would have been even more excited. But I feel like I've, you know, even just looking at your pillars, my anger yesterday helped me set boundaries by saying no to the person I was speaking with, but also by thinking about what has been depleting me and how can I protect myself from those depleting sources. It mm. also connected me with my integrity. Like I am not here to settle. I am mm -hmm. not here to be normal. I am not mm -hmm. here to go along with the status quo. Just because we're a medicated society who's struggling with our mental health does not mean that I think that's okay as a default. Fuck no. Three, <laughs> pleasure. Reconnecting with my pleasure. I was like, what else do I need to feel good? You know, yeah. and you connected that to sexual energy. I realized like, whoa, I need my sexual energy to go somewhere. I need yeah. to channel that. So it like helped me in my creativity, in my work. It helped me to like turn on a part of my inner flirt, you know? Yes. And like all of that has given me life again. So 
Anyway, if I hadn't had that experience of anger and me, like I wasn't intellectually aware of what I was doing, this is all an embodied response, right? Mm -hmm. But it's already helped me. I've already taken positive action. But if, for example, that energy was pent up and I was unaware of it, I just felt like the restlessness or the unsettledness or the other emotions that I think come along with with um, especially unexpressed anger. I think there's more blending of other emotions when mm-hmm. anger is unexpressed. I feel like I would be even more pumped to go to a rage room because yeah. I would be like, let me get this energy out and better than you know, punching a wall in my house or like breaking glass <laughs> on my floor, it feels like a safer bet. <laughs> so, so it's interesting. There's, and I would still go with you if you asked me right now. I would love to go to a rage room with you, Casey. <laughs> oh my gosh. Could you imagine, Sergi? Let me just catch a flight. Hang on. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's so, so interesting. So your response and your reaction to that, I think pays tribute to the work that you've done and how you have reintegrated anger into your system. Now, at the same time, there's got to be people who even see the term rage room and they will feel fear, right? And so what I'm getting to here is how you relate to this concept of a rage room will reflect a lot back to you. Mm. And I find it interesting because um, in my opinion, I think the more places and environments that are safe that we can create as a community to hold space for anger and rage and all of those things, the better off we will be, right? When it comes to reintegrating this and unshaming anger and all the rest of it. However, I do have problems with how some of these things are marketed Mm. from what I've seen. It's been very like, yo, bra, like, let's go to this rage room and get our rage on. And it's, and then they use the worst, uh, like, like baseball bats with like old machinery and stuff that's not necessarily like that safe. And it's destroying inanimate objects and all this kind of stuff. And I'm kind of like, there are better ways. Um, and also it's, the way it's marketed in that sense and the way I've seen these experiences are like, okay, let's go, let's break loads of shit and then let's leave and not do it and let's not change, right? Right, yeah. That's like right. a Band-Aid solution without solving anything and underneath. They're all very like red and like a big bulky, like masculine, like raw, like oh, the marketing, it really gets stuck in between my teeth, honestly, um, around some of these experiences. Um, However, I really do think that the more safe spaces we can create to to express ourselves in this way, the more people will um, build their emotional resilience. And I want to talk about something now, and that's that's the, the two ends of the spectrum, right? There are people who have this the short fuse right really really quick quick to get angry quick to experience anger and have those uncontrolled outbursts 
And then there's the people who have a lot of shame around it, the disconnected, the everything else, right? It's like two sides of the same coin. And this is where I think it's really powerful to have those um, experiences where we express anger because we can work from, from the top down or the bottom up. And so for the people who um, have the short fuse and they're struggling with anger in that sense, right? This is good for them because they can blow off the steam, right? And get the energy up and out, but also use it as a space to connect with what's happening underneath. Because usually from my work and what I've seen, those people who are quick to get angry and quick to go down that route, that is when anger is, for lack of a better phrase, a secondary emotion. That's mm -hmm. when there's actually something underneath and your anger is a protective mechanism. Your anger is trying to protect you from something deeper that is is hurting you, right? It's it's there. Whereas on the, the other side, the people who I say, hey, you want to go to a rage room and they feel fear, they're not connected to the anger and then it frightens them. That's a really good space for them because that's from the bottom up by using their body, by allowing them, allowing the experience of discomfort and um, shame to come up when you're playing with anger and mm. sense pretending, right, to express it, you're actually telling your body this is safe and you're building those neurological pathways so that later on when something happens in your life and you damn right should feel angry your anger is closer to you and it has a door open because your body is learning to reintegrate it wow i i'm feeling chills right now and it's it's impossible not to connect what you're sharing to personal experience i guess that's how i learn and how i integrate new wisdom but you just brought me back to years ago i think through therapy <laughs> One of my therapists had invited me uh, to like yell into a pillow, you know, mm -hmm. and I like couldn't like I, mm -hmm. I was alone in my house. I knew that I was feeling some stuff that was bubbling up that obviously my therapist at the time had recognized and had yeah. probably named inside of herself as anger. And I tried and I couldn't. It was like. It was like a, I would put a pillow in front of my face alone in my space and it, yeah. nothing would come out. I, I like would not allow myself to mm. express in that way. It felt like so fake, so untrue. Mm. But, and also I knew that that energy was still inside of me. And I remember when I finally like let sound out of my mouth. It was like such a mousy little like, come on, you know? <laughs> and and, oh, yeah. and then I think about fast forwarding to, um, I think honestly, in the last couple of years, last few years, especially, I have built an intimate relationship with my anger. And to me, there's a, a vocalization that is definitely connected to its expression. And it's so deep and guttural versus like, 
heady and heightened and feel so powerful. It's almost like expressing my anger has unlocked my voice in a certain way and allowed me to be more vocal in all scenarios, even through like pleasure, like sexual pleasure or any type of pleasure. It's like I can express more. Um, and, and it's also interesting to me throughout this whole conversation, I keep muting myself and like clearing my throat and clearing my throat and sipping some water. And I, I feel like there's something to that, like this conversation, maybe even since yesterday in my experience yesterday, it's like, there's more clearing that wants to happen. There's more truth to express. Mm. So I, I guess the thing that I really connected is how you said, even if it's hard to express, even if there's like shame and fear that bubble up, which is definitely the case for me when I couldn't scream into a pillow, um, there's still a priming, a preparing of the body and nervous system to be able to release that energy when it's time. And so, yeah, when I look back at the last five years, especially that transformational journey of not being able to express to being able to express to then also like feeling strengthened and empowered by my anger to do something positive with it. That's definitely been my journey. And again, you just put words to it and made sense of it for me. So thank you again. Um, yes, it really do be like that, Casey. Yes, <laughs> it really do. And just to um, relate to your story, same here, same here, sister. Like when I, like years ago, I, anger, me? No, I, I'm a good girl. <laughs> I mean, good girl conditioning, not wanting to be a burden, fear of abandonment, like, oh, all the classics, the classics, um, and not being able to express my anger, communicate my needs, use my voice, take up space, all, all of the, all of the stuff definitely have been there. And I vividly remember my first time screaming into a pillow as well and feeling so unbelievably uncomfortable. Um, and that's why anger work is like any other modality. It's a practice. And I can't stress this enough, but it is like a tool in the belt, right? But it is so, so powerful. For me specifically, anger work has helped me with three three main things. And I say helped, not cured, because it's a tool in the belt, like everything, like going to therapy, right? Like the embodiment, like everything else. But anger work was the piece in the puzzle for me that helped me heal from chronic illness, right? Burst out of fatigue, IBS, symptoms of endometriosis, right? Which we can we can unpack later if you want. It helped me do that. Anger work, it also helped me heal my relationship patterns, my my attachment style. It helped me heal from sexual trauma, right? And then I guess last but not least, like anger work helped me live a, a values aligned life, align with my purpose, be okay with with not people pleasing, with with being myself, with having that self-led life and that's why it is so 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 powerful because it connects us 
to ourselves. And because anger is, in my opinion, our most shamed and misunderstood emotion, that's why it is often the missing piece for most people. Mm. Wow. That's so powerful. Like all of those three pieces that you shared about how anger work has helped you are potent. You know, I definitely relate. Anger has been a big part of my sexual trauma healing as well. Mm. Um, What I'm most intrigued by and what I'd love for you to speak more to is the physical health symptoms that you were experiencing. Like even as you share this with me, when we first met, you know, a few years ago, you were deeply struggling with that fatigue and and mm-hmm. those symptoms that you spoke of. And I would love to hear more of your story about the connection between anger work and those physical symptoms, because I think that's not just, it is about anger work specifically, but people often think it's fluffy how, yeah. you know, emotional, like the lack of emotional expression can create symptoms in the physical body. And yeah. yet it's so real and practical. So if you could share more about that part specifically, I think that would be really of service to to me and also the listener. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me see where to even begin with this. So I guess it, I guess for me, if you're looking at different symptoms, so if we look at fatigue, right? And you think about one of those pillars of anger work, which is drive. Drive is that get up and go. Drive is that I'm going to show up because I'm aligned with my values. I'm empowered in my system. I'm achieving my goals. I'm achieving my dreams, right? They're important and they matter. And when you experience fatigue, that feels so far away from your reality. Because in my experience, when I, when I had super bad fatigue, it was, I've always had like some sense of drive, right? Even when I was chronically ill, I started a flipping community and a business and all the rest of it, so it sat on my bed, right? But that physical outlet that physical um manifestation of drive it it did not feel close to me um so my fatigue was very in my body and at this stage I am a people pleaser in many ways and in others not I'm sort of halfway through that journey um and I am really, really in the the patterns of my relationship and attachment stuff, right? And so for me, when I started connecting with anger, I could experience the physical sensation of energy in my body, right? And I didn't know what to do with it. And it was interesting to introduce anger to a fatigued system. Right. And so this was this was quite interesting to me. And it led me to be get quite curious as to what well, there was this incident that happened when I was working with someone and they made me very, very angry. And I was really fatigued at the time, but all of a sudden I had this acute burst of energy and I didn't feel fatigued anymore. I quite quickly ran flat and fell fatigued again, but it was enough to get me really, really, really curious. 
And so the more I kind of maybe like 10% at a time could connect to that anger and start taking action in alignment with it, the more I felt my fatigue, that my symptoms of fatigue reduce. And so much of it is, it's not fluffy because it's actually connected to our limbic system. Our core emotions, they basically come from our brain. And that makes total sense, right? This whole host of signals and your your vagus nerve connected to your entire body, that can energize your entire system. So it's not fluffy at all. Like if you want to go read the physics on it, go ahead, right? Um, so again, the more I could take those sort of baby steps, like 10%, another 10%, and set those boundaries and use my voice, I naturally became more and more energized, right? That was not easy. And it also was not linear by any means at all. But reintroducing anger became energizing. And the more I learned to harness it and reintegrate it, then things balanced out. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that piece. It makes complete sense. And I'm so glad that you brought it back to biology, you know, like how our body's physiology, how our bodies and our nervous systems and our brain works. Massively so, massively so. And there, I mean, there is another way to look at it as well, which I guess maybe is a little bit more fluffy, but also serves its purpose, which is if you're experiencing fatigue, what is it keeping you safe from? Mm. Like if, if your fatigue is a protective mechanism to help you avoid facing something, like what is it? Because with so many chronic symptoms, there's an, there's an unmet need right underneath. Mm-hmm. And this is where anger comes into place because again, what's the purpose of anger? Protection. Protection of what? You your needs. And so you, if you have an unmet need, right, that you're not addressing and newsflash, like not everyone can meet your needs, right? That's a big part of anger work. But if you're not looking at it, you're not addressing it. Your body and your brain is very, 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 very clever at creating adaptive responses that are in fact maladaptive to help you be okay with your reality, to help you be okay with your unmet need and try to have it fulfilled. So let's say your unmet need is being cared for. What happens if you get fatigued? Maybe someone has to care for you. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Makes so much sense. Wow. This is amazing. I have a couple more questions. And actually they're coming directly from the Worthy Mall community, from people in the community. So I'm just going to take a peek at, I I have a list and you've already answered some of the questions for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And one that I actually would love to ground in a little bit more is around healthy ways to release energy and to honor it without it consuming someone. So we talked about like screaming into a pillow. We talked about rage rooms. I gave my example of the gym, but what else would you put on the table for someone who's like, I have no idea what to do with this or what would feel correct for me. What else might you suggest? So many 
Thanks. Such a great question. I think like, let me just preface this with each person is their own unique individual. And like you preach, let your body lead. I think what's really important is to feel into your body before you decide what you want to do. Right. But when it comes to expressing and energizing your system, let, let your body lead and, and let, and, and just let that guide you. Right. Here are some suggestions and maybe notice what comes up in your body. Expressive arts, dance, put on your Beyonce playlist and fucking dance. I don't know if I can curse in this podcast. Sorry. <laughs> I already have a few times. Oh, you did, did you? <laughs> right. Oh, I'm so used to it. I didn't even hear it. Um, <laughs> dance, 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 dance. Dance in your bedroom, dance in your underwear, dance naked, dance in the shower, dance in the kitchen. Go outside and dance. Dance is such a powerful medicine. Dance with others, dance in private, like get up and move. Join a dance community. Go to a dance class. Go to a five rhythms class and experience everything that comes with that. The discomfort, the joy, the clumsiness, the, oh my God, I can actually move my body and look good and like have a rhythm like do it all dance is so 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 powerful and I cannot recommend it enough I have to intrude here just for a moment I'm giggling inside because the particular person who asked this question I know and yeah. has a massive resistance to dance specifically. Oh. <laughs> so I think it is super fascinating if you're listening to this, which I know you are. <laughs> it's super fascinating the number of times that you just said dance, 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 dance. And it makes me curious if the resistance to dance is also the resistance to feeling anger. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Right? There's yeah. got to be something there, though, and I'm yeah, not attached. It. But yeah, what is what are you doing when you're dancing? You're taking up space. Yeah, you're taking up a shit ton of space. You're moving your body. You're being bigger and bolder and expressive and sexual, and all of those things are related to anger. Your sexual expression, your need to take up space. You might bump into someone. Right? Like, oh, oh no. That's anger work. I have waves of chills. The truth ch tingles are coming through. So, uh, for this particular person, this message feels <laughs> directly for you <laughs> and for so many in that exact same boat, you know? Yeah. Um, I love that you shared that. Yeah. So, that's dance. I actually I haven't danced in a while. Um, I really want to get back into it. I um, Anyway, side note. Mm. Um, I do dance in my house all the time, but I recently joined a dance class um, for empowerment and it is juicy, um, but I haven't been to it in a while. Anyway, so expressive art, so dance, um, drama. Drama is really, really powerful. Um, so whether it's doing some kind of performing arts community thing or your own sort of drama practice at home sometimes it can be really powerful to um sit and dramatize your experience it might sound a bit cuckoo and a bit crazy but if you can give your anger a voice give it and act it out and see what that feels like right mm. um or if you can give your 
sadness of voice or whatever it is that's getting in the way and, and dramatize it. Um, really, really powerful. Then things like writing, expressive writing, poetry, express yourself, right? Mm. If you don't know what to do, just try it out. See what happens when you take a pen and you put it to paper. A really good um, place to start is just to write, I'm angry because, and see what happens. And if you and if you write a poem, even better, right? Because poems often come with rhythm, and rhythm relates to dance and music and energy and how we move, and so it's all connected. And mm. um, so, dance, drama, poetry, art, create mm. something. Um, get your chalks, get your pens, get your whatever it is that you have. Um, one of my favorite things to do with this is just um, express art. So I'm not literally creating something to to look at, like a like a picture, or like a person, or like an object. I'm taking a color that feels right to me, and I am moving my body with it, with the chalk, with the paint, to create something on paper. This is not in my head. This is my body is expressing it and putting it onto a page. Something really powerful about this, and and this is art art therapy that we're talking about now, which is actually what my degree was in many moons ago, um, is when you create something on a piece of paper like that, all of a sudden you have transferred something, this emotion, this experience inside you onto something that you can hold at a distance. And that wow. creates a space, a really powerful space to look at that and to take it outside of yourself and explore that. Mm. If you want to go deeper, you can share it with someone, someone that you trust, someone who is safe. Um, so yeah, so expressive arts. Other things, other things you can do, reconnect with your body. There are what we would say, your, your sort of anger work classics the screaming into the pillow, the, the building those neurological pathways, having a tantrum, um, getting used to moving your body in that way, shaking, really, really powerful. And, and this isn't just, you know, to anger work, like this is all about getting the energy up and through your body that, that might not even just be anger. Like anger often comes coupled with many things like grief, like, um, sadness like unexpressed emotions and shaking is really really powerful as I'm sure you know from like an embodiment standpoint um, but shaking is a really really big one also making noise like if you can get a drum and bang the shit out of it if you can get some shakers if you can do anything to make noise because that is again you're you're getting your body used to that experience um quite often when I do things like this it it you, it turns into humor. You start laughing. You you transition. The energy not only gets up and out. Your body changes, um, mm -hmm. and you you're realigning your system, your your chakras, your your whole emotional expression and regulation. Um, so really really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, and then other things if you want um <laughs> your DIY rage room. <laughs> go into nature and break sticks break mm. chuck stones into water you know 
things we would have done. You do naturally as a kid. Like you see a child at a shore, they're going to pick up a stone and chuck it into the sea. Like, you know, you see, and uh, you think about like, I don't know, the classic image of a man who's been fired from work and he takes his briefcase and he wrestles it to the beach and he gets to the beach and like cracks it open, takes out all his sheets and fucks them in the sea. Like, you know, <laughs> be expressive and, and just do those things. Um, and then last but not least, again, I think if, if you want to build a practice, I just think like I said before, most of the work is around changing how you relate to your anger. So journaling is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think talking, talking with friends, talking with people that you trust and looking at your belief system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. There's so many beautiful ideas there. And I really am feeling like those different pillars that you shared around the purpose of anger Um illuminates even more pathways for processing it and using it in a positive way. Um, so let, let's actually look at that for a sec, because everything I just gave you, those are like expressive exercises to help you release or reconnect with anger for the purpose of releasing or building those neurological pathways that tell your body that you are safe, right? That set you up for more success in the future. But if you're thinking more about gen- generally increasing your experience of pleasure and everything else in your life that's important that relates to those pillars, which is more of like maintenance, let's say, because all of that kind of expressive stuff in the past, like that's anger work, right? Anything that can help you reconnect more to your anger, make it feel safer. I don't tend to do that. Right. Very often. Because because when you're less uh, when you have more pleasure, you're less pissed. When yeah. you when you're doing things that aren't depleting, you're less angry. Yeah. So there's also the preventative part with like how are you caring for yourself and how are you honoring your truth on a day to day basis to prevent the buildup of that energy. How are you living in alignment with your values? Exactly, exactly. Mm. So when you're thinking about that, you're looking more at those pillars and asking yourself that powerful question, like, what would it look like for me to lean into this pillar an extra 10%? Mm. What is one thing that I can do to increase my experience of pleasure in the next week, right? You can go through those six pillars and and take one action Mm. every week, a tiny action to align more with your values, with your sense of empowerment, with all of those things. That's another great piece of wisdom. Um, one of these questions that came in, I think, is was kind of answered in what you just shared in that the, the person said, if anger is meant to tell me a boundary has been crossed and boundaries keep getting crossed and setting off the anger, what do I do with it? especially if the people crossing those boundaries are not receptive to my truth. And so there's like a couple interesting things in there is like anger's job isn't just to tell you where boundaries have been crossed. There's other parts to it. So that person could probably, like you said, go through the pillars and ask, how can I, you know, lean into this pillar an extra 10%. Um, But also it feels like there's another part to this too. And I'd love for you to speak to this, like, especially if the people crossing those boundaries are not receptive to what 
I'm trying to share with them, then what? Self-responsibility. I want to, I want to stress this self-responsibility. So what is, yeah. What is self-responsibility? Self-responsibility is essentially when you take responsibility for the ways in which you are co-creating your experience. Self-responsibility is the opposite of victimhood, right? And anger work is powerful because it gets us out of victimhood. A quick detour that I want to stress is there is a very real difference from literally being a victim and living in a victimhood identity, Mm -hmm. okay? And that's, I am not talking about being a victim of a crime or things like that, right? Another episode, another time. Mm -hmm. But living in a victimhood identity is not empowering. And it's also illusory, right? So when we think about self-responsibility, we have to take accountability. And that's empowering because hang on a second, you're telling me that I can change my life, that I can do that. That's empowering. Fuck yeah, sign me up, right? So when you think about the boundary setting, it's very, very easy to set a boundary, believe it or not. The hard part is maintaining it. Mm-hmm. And how somebody responds to you setting a boundary is not in your control, is not actually your responsibility. And there's not much you can do about it, right? There's a little bit like how you express your needs, how you you know set the boundary. Yes, there's a, there's a part to play there. But your self-responsibility then comes online here to say, okay, I need to take a really sober look at how am I currently contributing to this person not maintaining this boundary I have set, to me not maintaining it, right? It's easy to set a boundary, but how are you maintaining it? Yeah. And is it a case where this person does not respect your boundaries and you have, in fact, done everything to protect them? Then what needs to happen? Mm-hmm. You still have choice. You still have agency. Yeah, absolutely. I remember hearing once that a boundary is not actually a boundary if there is not a consequence to that boundary being crossed. So it's one Mm -hmm. thing to say, I need this. But the next part of the boundary setting is, if this is not followed through, here's what I'm going to do. And then you better damn well do the thing. (laughs) Right? That's so so powerful. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Sarah Jane, this has been so illuminating and helpful and... um. I definitely want to make sure that we have those pillars written down. And you shared something before we hit record about audio meditations or journal prompts that you have. What can you share about the the gifts that you are open to generously offering to our community? Absolutely. I can give you a guided meditation as an intro to anger work. It is um, an anger acronym meditation as an introduction for any beginners. It's very, very simple and easy and beautiful. Um, And I can give you some juicy journal prompts for both parties, for the people who slip into the anger repression, uh, suppression, I should say, actually, um, 
or the people who tend to have that short fuse and don't know what to do with the energy and burn out really quickly. Mm. So I can give you journal prompts for both of those. That will be so helpful. And also curious, how can folks connect with you if they'd love to be in touch? So I have an Instagram. I can't promise I'm extremely present on there, but I have one and I tend to <laughs> come on and go hard for a week and, and uh, go back into my life. Um, and so my Instagram is O-O-H underscore Sarah Jane. Um, and I have a website as well, which is just osarahjane.com. And on there, I have um, frequently asked questions about anger that might be insightful to read. Um, and whenever I open up events again, I have them on my website as well. Um, so, yeah. That's perfect. Thank you so, so much for joining me. It's been a delight to connect in with this conversation. Thank you for having me. I've absolutely enjoyed this conversation. I have felt so in flow and I really want to thank you for creating this space and being so authentic and bubbly in yourself. It Honestly, it gives me permission to slip into the same energy and uh, I really appreciate it. Mm, thank you for seeing me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Now it's time for you to integrate. What have you received from this episode that you can put into practice immediately? It's one thing to listen into podcasts and to infotain yourself. And it's another thing to take away even one little bit of wisdom and to implement it, take action on it so that it can have the chance to transform you. I don't know about you, but I'm contemplating the six pillars of anger or the six roles of anger. So in summary, anger plays a role in empowerment, integrity, boundaries, protection, pleasure, and drive. I'm contemplating these six pillars of anger in my journal and asking myself, how can I, you know, get these needs met? My my needs for pleasure and safety and being in integrity with my values. And also, how can I really create space for my anger to be a teacher? You can always share your insights and your questions by sending a direct message to us at Worthy and Well on Instagram or email info at worthyandwell.com. We love hearing from you. Also, please take a moment to share a rating and review if you feel called to. Your written reviews help us to get this podcast and the transformative messages within it into the ears of more people just like you. So I truly appreciate your support and I can't wait to chat with you very soon. Cheers to anger work. <laughs>